0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the JJW News Network, which is everything history and John Wood. And I am your host, naturally, John Wood. Today, on our glorious podcast, we are talking about a very, very monumental time in history. We are talking about the French Revolution. Today, on the JJW News Network, we will be answering the question, was the French Revolution a watershed or was it not? Now let's begin by starting about the French Revolution. What we need to understand about France is there's three different social classes. The first estate was the clergy, the second estate was the nobility, and the third estate was literally everyone else. This made up about 93 to 94% of the population. It didn't matter if you are rich, it didn't matter if you are poor, as long as you didn't own land and were noble, or if you weren't a part of the church, you were the third estate. So the return of time was King Louis XVI, and he was married to Murray Antoinette. If you ever wanted to meet somebody who was not that Machiavelli would hate, here you go. Louis was a very poor leader. He did nothing for the poor people. He just fueled lots of anger. He lived a lavish lifestyle, and he just fueled lots of anger in this country. So what happens is, so the revolution begins because they can't stand Louis, and they can't stand the Absolute monarchs. So at some point, Louis had to call the Estates General, which was the first time in, like, over 175 years that the Estates General had to be called because he just couldn't control what was going on. So the Estates General comes, and the Third Estate, people within the Third Estate, the revolutionaries, are like, we're not going to leave until we get a constitution, which is the tennis court oath. So essentially, they stand there, and they wait. And then they eventually get their constitution, becoming a republic. So at this point, uh, at this point, the, uh, Louis and Marie are forced to go back to Paris because of the Women's March on Versailles. They were kicked out of Versailles and forced to live in Paris. So they really don't have any powers, and the French have a council, which is the council for, was just like the French council for public safety. And they actually started declaring wars on many nations, which is Austria, and they kind of just declare war on everybody. But with the war, Prussia joins Austria, and they're fighting. So, and back home during this time was known as the Reign of Terror, because the main leader behind everything, his name was Maximilian Robespierre Him and an author, a newspaper author by the name of Jean-Paul Marat were spreading, were basically like talking about how anyone, they were given that list of people, their names, who can conspire to bring back the monarchs, and basically everyone's heads were getting chopped off. The guillotine was invented this time, everyone's heads were getting chopped off, everyone was getting executed, it was a mess. So going back to the wars, so the wars, it started off really bad, but then it started to get better, and there was a port being controlled by the British, It was a French port, but it was controlled by the British. And at the siege of Toulon, a military leader by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte became defended it from the British and became known as a hero. So back at home, Maximilian Robespierre was basically starting to gain too much power and the people got scared of him. So the opposition took him out by executing him with the guillotine, which is ironic because that's how he executed everyone. So at this time, that's when the reign of terror ended. And at this time, they're trying to figure out what to do. So what they actually do is they set up, they actually set up a triumvirate, almost with three councils. I say almost because only one of the councils really has the power, and that's the first consul who was Napoleon Bonaparte. So he basically goes from just a short amount of time, like a couple of years, he goes from being the first consul to the only consul to the consul for life, and ultimately declaring himself Emperor of France. And nobody's going to die. Everybody loves Napoleon. So what Napoleon does for France as emperor in the first, in the first ever French Empire, he does what the revolutionaries want. He establishes a stable economy by instituting the Bank of France, and he has equal taxation for all social classes. So everyone's being taxed now. Uh, pub public education was being offered to not only males but also females females wasn't as prominent though but it was being offered which was huge for the time it was a very enlightened idea and the religious tolerance was being implemented around france and he actually napoleon actually like makes a peace treaty with the pope and rome and Catholic influence is starting to gain back in France and all that's going well. And he also institutes the Napoleonic Code, which is a set of laws for everyone to follow within France. And everyone had no problem following them. They were much better than what the regents had. So outside of that, Napoleon fought many, many wars. They were called the Napoleonic Wars, where he conquered many territories. But at one point, he even stretched his land all the way out into Russia. However, that is one of the reasons why he failed. And why he actually fell apart. He failed in Russia. Alexander First was very good at minimizing, was very good at reducing he would his military strategy was to fight Napoleon. He couldn't win. He was outmanned. He was outnumbered. But when they would retreat, they would break off everything. So Napoleon had to fight without with limited resources and It just didn't go well. He ended up losing. The continental system was also implemented by Napoleon. And what it was, it was a system where the British... Where he was trying to beat the British. And it just didn't work. He couldn't beat the British. And not in fighting, but in like trading. And he just couldn't do it. So, he eventually falls apart. The Allies, all the countries ally themselves. And they take him over. And the Congress of Vienna institutes what happens... It was all the major players in the world, and he just, they basically, they fix, fix what Europe should have been. they, many of the lands, they decide what to do with many of the lands that were conquered by France. And overall, it known as a very, very good peace treaty. So now that we know what the French Revolution really was, let's look at how it was a watershed event. First, let's focus in on France because, well, it's where the French Revolution took place. So, the major outcomes of France from the French Revolution is, first off, the, one of Napoleon's greatest achievements has to be the Bank of France. The Bank of France is still in existence today, which just shows how instrumental it was. To, how instrumental it was for the economy as a whole. Also, the Congress of Vienna brought about a constitutional monarchy in France. They brought back the Bourbons. The new regent would be King Louis Eighteenth. So, not only is the empire gone, but now it's no longer an absolute monarchy, which is huge. Um, France would have to pay reparations to other countries specifically Russia, because they trashed Russia. So they had to pay reparations to other countries, which would spend time, money, value, and resources. Also, the Napoleonic Code would stick around because it was a good basis for a set of laws, and it stood the test of time. Now let's expand our outlook to outside of France. So what happens because of the French Revolution is now... British supremacy in Europe is complete. Britain is the superpower in Europe and will be up until pretty much World War two. They would they completely controlled trade, they completely controlled the waters, and they even sparked the Industrial Revolution as a result of all of this newfound supremacy. ...from the French Revolution. One thing that the Congress of Vienna did... ...is they divided Poland... ...and they called it Congress Poland. Which essentially meant that Poland was getting split up... ...between a bunch of other nations. Most importantly, Prussia... ...and Russia. So now Poland would split up... ...but this sets a precedent... ...for Poland being the scapegoat. Poland being the country that... ...always, ALWAYS gets invaded. Poor Poland... You can see this even in the World War II where Adolf Hitler sparks World War II by invading Poland. Poor Poland. Also, Germany remains divided. The Congress of Vienna does not fix the issue of a divided Germany. They just leave whatever titles Napoleon gave to the Germans. Those titles will stand, and that's it. Germany is still divided, which comes to Affect them well into the future. World War One and more specifically World War II. Both happens in part to the fact that Germany remains divided for so long. And probably the most important thing that the Congress of Vienna addresses for the rest of the world is the balance of powers in Europe. Now you don't have one nation Getting to such control, almost like Napoleon did. What they agree to do is they agree to not expand as much and to keep each other in check so that they never have, so that not one power becomes dominant in the region. Thank you for listening to JJW News, where we cover everything, history, and John Wood. Now, just leave you out with something, I asked Napoleon if he wanted to borrow money. He looked a little short.